Chapter Thirty One of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Describes a curious circumstance. To Hamilton, it was evident that the man Crail, now smartly dressed in country tweeds, was telling the girl something which surprised her. He was speaking quickly, making involuntary gestures which betrayed his foreign birth, while she stood pale, surprised, and yet defiant. The baron's secretary was not near enough to overhear their words. Indeed, he remained there in concealment in order to watch. Why had Gabrielle met Felix Crail, of all men? She was beautiful. Yes, there could be no two opinions upon that point, Edgar decided. And yet how strange it all was, how very remarkable, how romantic. The man was evidently endeavoring to impress upon the girl some plain truth to which, at first, she refused to listen. She shrugged her shoulders impatiently and swung her walking-stick before her in an attempt to remain unconcerned. But from where Hamilton was standing, he could plainly detect her agitation. Whatever Crail had told her had caused her much nervous anxiety. What could it be? Across the meadows beyond the river could be seen the lantern tower of old Votheringay Church, with the mound behind where once stood the castle where ill-fated Mary met her doom and as the baron's secretary watched, he saw that the foreigner's attitude was gradually changing from persuasive to threatening. He was speaking quickly, probably in French, making wild gestures with his hands, while she had drawn back with an expression of alarm. She was now, it seemed, frightened at the man, and to Edgar Hamilton this increased the interest tenfold. Through his mind there flashed the recollection of a previous occasion when he had seen the man now before him. He was in different garb, and acting a very different part. But his face was still the same, a countenance which it was impossible to forget. He was watching the changing expression upon the girl's face. Would that he could read the secret hidden behind those wonderful eyes. He had, quite unexpectedly, discovered a mysterious circumstance. Why should Crail meet her by accident at that lonely spot? The pair moved very slowly together along the path which, having left the way to Southwick, ran along the very edge of the broad, winding river toward Fotheringay, until they crossed the wide pasture land and followed the bend of the stream. Hamilton dare not emerge from his place of concealment. They might glance back and discover him. If so, then to watch Crail's movements further would be futile. He saw that, by the exercise of caution, he might perhaps learn something of deeper interest than he imagined so he watched until they disappeared, and then sped along the path they had taken until he came to a clump of bushes which afforded further cover. From where he stood, however, he could see nothing. He could hear voices, a man's voice raised in distinct threats, and a woman's quick defiant response. He walked round the bushes quickly, trying to get sight of the pair, but the river bent sharply at that point in such a manner that he could not get a glimpse of them. Again he heard Crail speaking rapidly in French, and still again the girl's response. Then, next instant, there was a shrill scream and a loud splash. Next moment he had darted from his hiding place to find the girl struggling in the water, while at the same time he caught sight of Crail disappearing quickly around the path. Had he glanced back, he could not have seen the girl in the stream. At that point the bank was steep, and the stillness of the river and the absence of rushes told that it was deep. The girl was throwing up her hand, shrieking for help. Therefore, without a second's hesitation, 
Hamilton, who was a good swimmer, threw off his coat and diving in was soon at her side. By this time Crail had hurried on, and could obtain no glimpse of what was in progress owing to the sharp bend of the river. After considerable splashing, Hamilton urging her to remain calm, he succeeded in bringing her to land, where they both struggled up the bank dripping, wet, and more or less exhausted. Some moments elapsed before either spoke, until, indeed, Hamilton, looking straight into the girl's face, and bursting out laughing, exclaimed, Well, I think I have the pleasure of being acquainted with you, but I must say that we both look like drowned rats. I look horrid, she declared, staring at him half-dazed, putting her hands to her dripping hair. I know I must, but I have to thank you for pulling me out. Only fancy, Mr. Hamilton, you— oh no thanks are required what we must do is to get some place and get our clothes dried he said do you know this neighborhood oh yes straight over there about a quarter of a mile away is wyatt's farm mrs wyatt will look after us i'm sure and as she rose to her feet regarding her companion shyly her skirts clung around her and the water squelched from her shoes very well he answered cheerily let's go and see what can be done towards getting some dry kit i'm glad you're not too frightened a good many girls would have fainted, and all that kind of thing. I certainly should have gone under if you hadn't so fortunately come along, she exclaimed. I really don't know how to thank you sufficiently. You've saved my life, you know. If it weren't not for you, I'd have been dead by this time, for I can't swim a stroke. By Jove, he laughed, treating the whole affair as a huge joke. How romantic it sounds! Fancy meeting you again after all this time and saving your life. I suppose the papers will be full of it, if they get to know. Gallant rescue and all that kind of twaddle. Well, personally, I hope the papers won't get hold of this piece of intelligence, she said seriously, as they walked together, rather pitiable objects, across the wide grass fields. He glanced at her pale face, her hair hanging dank and wet about it, and saw that even under these disadvantageous conditions, she had grown more beautiful than before. Of late he had heard of her, heard a good deal of her, but had never dreamed that they would meet again in that manner. How did it happen? He asked in pretense of ignorance of her companion's presence. She raised her fine eyes to his for a moment and wavered beneath his inquiring gaze. I, I, well, I really don't know, was her rather lame answer. The bank was very slippery, and, well, I suppose I walked too near it. Her reply struck him as curious. Why did she attempt to shield the man who, by his sudden flight, was self-convicted of an attempt upon her life? Felix Crail was not a complete stranger to her. Why had their meeting been a clandestine one? This and a thousand similar queries ran through his mind as they walked across the field in the direction of a long, low, thatched farmhouse which stood in the distance. I'm a complete stranger to these parts, Hamilton informed her. I live nowadays mostly abroad, away above the Danube, and I'm only home for a holiday. And I'm afraid you've completely spoilt your clothes, she laughed, looking at his wet, muddy trousers and boots. Well, if I have, yours also are no further good. Oh, my blouse will wash, and I shall send my skirt to the cleaners, and it will come back like new, she answered. Women's outdoor clothing never suffers by a wedding. We'll get Mrs. Wyatt to dry them and then I'll get home again to my aunt in Wood Newton. Do you know the place? I fancy I passed through it this morning, one of those long, lean villages with a church at the end. That's it, the dullest little place in all England, I believe. 
he was struck by her charm of manner though bedraggled and dishevelled she was nevertheless delightful and treated her sudden immersion with careless unconcern why had Crail attempted to get rid of her in that manner what motive had he they reached the farmhouse where mrs wyatt a stout ruddy-faced woman detecting their approach met them upon the threshold locks miss hayburn why what's happened she asked in alarm i fell into the river and this gentleman fished me out that's all laughed the girl we want to dry our things if we may in a few minutes in bedrooms upstairs they had exchanged their wet clothes for dry ones then edgar in the farmer's sunday suit of black and gabrielle in one of mrs wyatt's stuff dresses in the big folds of which her slim little figure was lost met again in the spacious farmhouse kitchen below they laughed heartily at the ridiculous figure which each presented and drank the glasses of hot milk which the farmer's wife pressed upon them old miss hayburn had been mrs wyatt's mistress years ago when she was in service therefore she was most solicitous after the girls's welfare and truth to tell looked askance at the good-looking stranger who had accompanied her gabrielle too was puzzled to know why mr hamilton should be there that he now lived abroad beside the danube was all the information he had vouchsafed regarding himself yet from certain remarks he had dropped she was suspicious she recollected only too vividly the occasion when when they had met last and what had occurred they sat together on the bench outside the house enjoying the full sunshine while the farmer's wife chattered on big fire had been made in the kitchen and their clothes were rapidly drying hamilton by careful questions endeavored to obtain from the girl some information concerning her dealings with the man crail but she was too wary it was evident that she had some distinct object in concealing the fact that he had deliberately flung her into the water after the heated altercation felix crail the very name caused him to clench his hands fortunately he knew the truth therefore the dastardly attempt upon the girl's life should not go unpunished as he sat there chatting with her admiring her refinement and innate daintiness he made a vow within himself to seek out that cowardly fugitive and meet him face to face felix crail what could be his object in ridding the world of the daughter of sir henry hayburn what would the man gain thereby he knew crail too well to imagine that he ever did anything without a motive of gain so well did he play his cards always that the police could never lay hands upon him yet his friends as he termed them were among the most dangerous men in all europe men who were unscrupulous and who would hesitate at nothing in order to accomplish the coup which they had devised what was the coup in this particular instance ay that was the question End of chapter 31